Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So I'm willing to bet that everybody in this room remembers exactly where they were last Sunday morning at about 3.20 in the morning. Everybody remembers where you were, what you were doing. Um, Out of curiosity, is there anybody here that was your first earthquake experience ever? Anybody? Okay. Welcome to California. Yeah, yeah. Uh, How many here slept through the whole thing? Okay, you are native Californians, born and raised, I know. Uh, It it happened at our house. Betty jumped up. You go, kid, kid, kid. And I went, I'm here. I'm here. She jumped up. She's running, standing in the doorway, and I'm thinking, it's going to stop. It's going to stop. Okay, maybe I ought to go stand in the doorway. And by the time I got up, got to the doorway, it stopped, okay? But it's one of those things, you know? And, it, and, and, and when stuff like that happens, whatever natural disasters are, one of the things that it, it amazes me how quickly people want to, let's rebuild. We got to get back to business, back to work, you know, whatever it is, fix up, clean up the mess, let's get back to work, you know? Just whatever it takes, we just want to rebuild and get everything back to normal as soon as we can. Uh, unless, of course, there's politics and bureaucracies involved, then it takes 25 years to build a bridge. And then it's still not right, you know. But, um, but generally, our human nature is we want to rebuild. You know, whatever it is, something happens, clean up the mess, move on, rebuild. But we are in a part of the story, which is really um, a walk through the scriptures. And we've gone from Genesis all the way up. We're running up, as Pastor Larry mentioned, coming right up to the end of the Old Testament. But the story is really the story of God's rebuilding work in this world. That's really what it is. It's his redeeming work unfolding in human history. It starts all the way back in Genesis when um, by our willfulness and our sin, we broke that relationship with God. And it wasn't just Adam and Eve's fault. We have all played a part in that whole thing, Okay. But that broke and severed a relationship with God. And really, Scripture, the Bible, is really the unfolding story of God rebuilding that relationship. And he started with, with a man named Abraham and made of him a family. And that family became a nation. And that nation was going to be God's people, except that they rebelled. And they continued the pattern that you and I evolved in all the time. And they ended up losing that relationship with God, being destroyed. The nation of Israel, the, uh, the two kingdoms, Israel and Judah, both destroyed and um, carted off into exile. And that's kind of where we've been the last couple of weeks. And um, here's where the timeline gets a little bit tricky because there's about four or five different books in the Bible that are all kind of contemporary all around the same time. We looked at Daniel's story as one of those exiles off in Babylon, yet remains true to his faith and his character and his integrity with God. And because of that, God uses him. And so the story of Daniel is the story of some of the exiles that are off in Babylon. Um, Today we're going to be in Ezra. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, they're all around the same time as well. Ezra comes back. Nehemiah comes back to Jerusalem, as we're going to see. Esther is one of the exiles. She remains back in Babylon. Um, And then you've got some of the prophets. You've got Haggai, um, Zechariah, Malachi. They're all prophets, and they're all speaking. Some of them, Jeremiah was preaching. He was a a Hebrew prophet in Jerusalem, but he was sending word and making prophecy for the people that were in exile. You have Haggai, who is still here during the rebuilding process. And all these different people and all their stories all kind of mesh together in what we're going to be talking about today. And it's the rebuilding process. 
Because that's what the story of redemption is really all about. That's what we have seen. It's God rebuilding. Rebuilding Israel. Rebuilding lives individually. Rebuilding your life and mine. And, and that's really the story. And this morning we're going to look at a section of that rebuilding idea. And it really comes down to God's part. But then what's my part in the rebuilding process? And this is particularly meaningful for those of you. If you find yourself kind of stuck in your past. You just can't get past your past. Or, or you find yourself maybe at a point where you know there's some changes that need to happen in your life. But it doesn't seem to be happening. Or maybe you've suffered a loss or experienced a failure, and you're in that rebuilding process in your own life. Maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you're not a person of faith at all. Maybe the reason you're here this morning is you're just kind of checking this whole thing out. The principles we're going to talk about this morning apply across the board because they are truth. And they are truth for believers and unbelievers, particularly true for believers who understand that God has a part in the rebuilding process. But where we are in the story is that these people have been off in Babylon, it's been 70 years, and we left off the story last week with Daniel, who reads the prophet Jeremiah, where God had spoken and said that, um, that Jerusalem would be destroyed, uh, that the nation would come to an end, and it would be 70 years before it was going to be restored. And he starts doing the math, and he starts figuring out, it's been 70 years. Nothing's happening. And he's moved to pray for God to fulfill his promise for the nation of Israel. And that's where we pick up the story because God, in response to the prayers of a single man named Daniel, I believe it, um, this is what happens. If you want to turn there, it's Ezra chapter 1. If you brought your copy of the book, the story, um, with you, we're going to be on page 263. It's the beginning of the, prof, uh, the story of Ezra. It says, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken by Jeremiah... The Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, the king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it into writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold and goods and livestock and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock and with valuable gifts in addition to all of the free will offerings. It's an incredible story because it takes the prayer of one man named Daniel, and because of his prayer, God moves on the heart of a pagan king. And these people who have been living in exile for 70 years, over 70 years now, are given permission to go back to Jerusalem. Now understand, 70 years, that means most of the people there that moved out in the exile are now dead. A whole new generation who's never really known Jerusalem is now given the opportunity to go back to their home and rebuild it. And that rebuilding process starts with God, but there's also a part that they play. And the same thing is true with you and me. And I want to start with this simple point. When it comes to rebuilding your life, it starts with this. Put first things first. 
It's a matter of setting your priorities. All of this begins, by the way, because of God's grace. And sometimes people think, well, grace, that's New Testament. Grace isn't in the Old Testament. No, grace is all through the Old Testament. Because it's always God taking the initiative. And that's probably the best definition you could have of grace. That God has done for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And that's what you see God doing. God moves on the heart. He takes the initiative. Says, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation. Listen how many times it says, the Lord was involved in this. He said, the Lord has appointed me to build a temple for him in Jerusalem and Judah. And any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. He's not even a God follower. He's got his own God, Marduk. But God is so moved on this pagan king's heart that he makes this decree. We actually have, it's been unearthed, archaeologists have found this. There is a cylinder, it's called the Cyrus Cylinder. It's actually on display right now um, in the British Museum of History. It looks like this. On it, that's all cuneiform um, writing into a clay tablet on a, on a, wrapped on a cylinder. And it talks about King Cyrus who was king of Persia, conquered the Babylons, how great he was, and the great proclamation that he made to let the exiles return back to their home country. It's a a historical fact. It's God intervening in history, and that's, that's what God does. God intervenes. God takes the initiative. It's the work of his grace. But he says there's a response on our behalf. There's something the people have to do now. God has made the way and opened the door, but now they have to respond. And the very first thing they do, they get to Jerusalem. And remember, this place has been decimated. The walls have been knocked down. The temple was destroyed. The place has been in ruins because most everybody who could rebuild was carted off to Babylon. So there's really, it's, it's just a shambles. And where do you even begin? Where do you begin to, to, to restructure and to rebuild? Where do you even start? You know where they started? started with the temple of God. The very first thing they built was the altar of God. It says that Joshua, son of Josedak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and his associates, began to build the altar of the God of Israel. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord. Now, here's why this is so important. Because the altar represented that connection with God. The altar is where sacrifice was made for sin. And it was the sin that had separated the people from God. That's what sin does. That's the the human history. It's our sin that separates us from God. And this represented first the reconnecting with God. It represented the, the coming together of people in worship. And reconnecting with their God. And you know what the second thing they did? After they built the altar, the very next thing they did was they started work on the temple. The house of God. And they got the foundation laid in and it said that all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord. Because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now, the reason the temple is so important is because it represented God's presence among us. The, the temple in Jerusalem was centered smack dab in the middle of the city. You couldn't go anywhere in Jerusalem without seeing the temple. If you wanted to cross town, you had to go by the temple. And it was meant to be, not because God needed a place to live, okay? It was intended to be a reminder to the people that God is among us. And so the things that they did, the very first things that they did, had to do with setting their priorities right with God. Reconnecting with Him in worship. And then rebuilding this reminder 
that God is still among us. And that is true for any rebuilding of your life. It's got to start with God. It always starts with his grace. But there's always this response that we have to grace. Paul wrote about it this way. He wrote to the, to the Roman church. He said, in view of God's mercies, in view of God's grace, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to him. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. In fact, you go all the way through scripture. It's all about getting your priorities and putting God at the center of your life. You get all the way to the book of Revelation, the very, very end, the revelation of John. And there's a, there's a line, God speaks to the Ephesian church. And he says, the only thing I have against you, you've lost sight of your first love. You've lost your priorities. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, you put first, we put first things first, and we get the second things thrown in. Put second things first, and we lose both the first and the second things. So it starts with prioritizing, just putting first things first. When you put God at the center of your life, now you're at the starting point for rebuilding. And once you've done that, then keep focused on what matters. Because we tend to lose our focus. The first part is about prioritization. The second part is about concentration. It's staying focused. Keeping the main thing the main thing. They get back there. They start this building project. But you know what they say about building projects? They always take longer and cost more than you planned. And it's true. That is true. In, I, have, I have been remodeling my bathroom okay this was a project i had planned out at the beginning of the year started shopping i picked out fixtures light fixtures plumbing fixtures i had it all planned out it was going to be done in four weekends and i had it oh yeah i had it all mapped out perfectly mapped out it is now and i be i began it in the beginning of summer it is now august 31st and it's not done <laughs> Every stage of this project has hit a glitch. You know, the lighting fixtures weren't the right lighting fixtures. I got the plumbing fixtures, and it was missing a part. It just, we put the paint. We painted the walls. It was the color we didn't like. It looked good in the paint can, but it doesn't look good on the walls. Everything along the way. And, of course, I'm doing it on the weekend, so if there's one little hitch, that's one more week in the project. My goal now is to be done by New Year's. <laughs> Revised my goals. Because it always takes longer. And it always costs more than you expected. And the same thing is true with rebuilding your life. It's going to take your lifetime. We talk about it here. We talk about we're all people in process. You know how long that process takes? All of your life. <laughs> all of your life. Because God is constantly working and shaping and forming. And you encounter setbacks and obstacles. It happens with the people of Israel. They're trying, they, they want to rebuild the temple. And as, as soon as it starts to take shape and they get the foundation laid of course all the people who used to be in charge of that land now before these people came back now feel threatened by the whole thing so they decide they're going to get into the mix the whole thing and it says that the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of judah and make them afraid to go on building do you know if you make the decision to change a direction in your life once you make that decision not everybody is going to be thrilled about that you will have people who are threatened by the changes that you are making. And they're going to do things to kind of 
pull you back or turn you aside or mess with the works. You'll find that. And there'll just be opposition. There'll be, there'll, be, there'll be circumstances. There'll be all kinds of setbacks. Just count on it because it happens. It happens in building projects. It happens in your life. You will experience, even with your best intentions, you will experience setbacks. In fact, that's what happens then. The people start to set out and, and to discourage them. And, and one guy who was actually the governor of the trans-Euphrates area, which is what they called that part of, of the uh, empire, his name was Tatani. And what he did is he sent off a letter back to Babylon um, to the emperor and told him, hey, do you know what's going on over here? These guys are rebuilding the temple. They're starting this whole thing. They're, this is not a good thing. We ought to put a stop to this. And, and, and the, the letter goes back to Darius, who is now after Cyrus, who issued the decree. He goes back and he researches and finds, yes, Cyrus, he found that little cylinder. Um, Cyrus did make this decree. And we need to, it's a decree that was made by the emperor. It has to be fulfilled. So he sends a letter back to Tatanai. And he says these words. He says, do not interfere with the work of this temple of God. Let the governor of the Jews and the Jewish elders rebuild the house of God on this site. And then he adds this. Moreover, their expenses are to be fully paid out of the royal treasury from the revenues of the trans-Euphrates. <laughs> says, not only are you not going to stop them, you're going to help pay for the building project. <laughs> kind of sorry he got involved, okay? God just intervened. And that's what's going to happen. You're going to come up against these roadblocks, and they're going to kind of set you back, and you're going to wonder if this is this going to happen, if this is going to change. And, and then God is going to show himself and intervene in ways that you didn't expect. And he does that for the people. And yet, even with God's intervention and even with their best intentions, and they started out with great enthusiasm and great desire to get this whole thing done, what happens is over a period of time, because it always takes longer and it always costs more than you expect, they start to lose interest. They kind of get distracted. And that's, I think, even worse than opposition from the outside. That's even tougher than, than circumstances that kind of go against you because it goes to your own heart. And they kind of get complacent in the whole thing. And, and, and this is one thing I found after all the, my years of pastoring. I've known very few people who decidedly walked away from God, who just said, that's it, I don't believe anymore, I'm done with this, I'm, I'm gone. Very, very few. My experience has been most people just drift. They just get busy with other things. And all of a sudden, their relationship with God isn't quite as important as it used to be. And the things of God aren't as valuable and aren't a priority for them anymore. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. It just happens a little at a time. And that's kind of what happens to the people of Israel. What happens actually is the building project for 16 years sits as a vacant lot. The foundation's there, but now there's weeds growing up and trees are disrupting the foundation. The whole thing has just kind of gone to pieces, mostly because the people just lost focus. So God sends a prophet by the name of Haggai, and he gives them these words. He says, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruins? You expected much. But see, I turned it out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains in ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Now, it isn't that God has anything against paneling. 
or granite countertops or bathroom remodels or any of those kinds of things. Those are all okay. He says, what the problem is that you have become so distracted with your own stuff that you've lost sight of what really matters. And you know, I find that so often in my life. I, I, I just get a little busy with other things and I realize it's gone a week and I really haven't spent that meaningful time with God that I used to do. And I got to get back to what really matters. You will lose your focus. You will experience setback. You will have times when you look and it doesn't seem like anything is changing. You're wondering, is this really going to happen? You're going to experience all of that. It says just keep your focus. Keep your focus. And when you've set your priorities and you keep your focus, then the last thing is simply this. Finish well. Finish well. Despite the setbacks, despite their complacency, God gets their attention. And they give themselves once more to the work. It takes them 20 years. But eventually, they get back to the work. And eventually, they finish it. So the elders of the Jews continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah, a descendant of Edo. And they finished building the temple according to the command of God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Then the people of Israel, the priests, and the Levites, and the rest of the exiles celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. They finished the work. See, get started with the right priorities. Keep focused on what's matter, what matters, and then finish the job. Finish well. A couple of weeks ago, we had the opportunity to, uh, to host one of the satellite um, locations for the Willow Creek Global Leadership Summit. It's a simulcast that goes out all over the world. And one of the, the, the last speaker, the guy who kind of wrapped the whole thing up is by the name of uh, Louis Giglio. Incredible speaker. But he talked about this whole idea of finishing well and not quitting. And, and he told the story about um, a friend of his and, and his wife invited Louis and his wife to go climb the Matterhorn. And so they, uh, they did some of the prep work. They made all the plans. They got there. Not the Matterhorn in Disneyland. Okay, the real Matterhorn, the big one. Okay, and, 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 and you know, he's thinking about it. He's all excited about it. They get to the location. They check in. They're at the village. And he gets out there, and he goes out, and he looks at this mountain up there, and he goes, how in the world am I going to climb that? I'm not a mountain climber. I don't even know where to begin on this thing. This is huge. I, I didn't know what I was getting into. And, and he went to his friend, and he said, how do you climb the Matterhorn? His friend said, one step at a time. You just take the next step. See, that's what it takes to finish well. You just take the next step. You can't see the finish line, but you can see the next step. I was thinking about this and kind of reflecting over my last number of years in ministry, particularly the last 24 since, since we started Northgate and moved here. And just all of the times, I actually pulled out, I have, I have a bunch of prayer journals because when we started this church, I started keeping a prayer journal. I've got all these prayer journals. And I was just kind of leafing through them and looking through it. And, and all the times that I wanted to quit. 
Even in that very first year, there were a number of times I thought, what am I doing here? Times I felt overwhelmed. Times I felt exhausted. Times I felt inadequate. Times that I wondered what I was doing. And all along the way, I remembered something that I heard at another conference. It was actually the very beginning when we were first starting the church and I was at a pastor's conference. The speaker was talking about the same thing. And he read this quote from Winston Churchill, an address that he gave, I believe, to Parliament in the middle of World War II. And in his words, he said this, Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never. In nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in. Some of you need to hear that this morning. Because you're facing some obstacles that are beyond you. You are facing difficulties. You are facing a loss or a failure. And you feel like quitting. Don't give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never give in. Because you do not know what God is about to do in the next moment. And what you would have missed had you quit just a moment too soon. Because I believe God's desire for your life and for my life, I know it is my desire for my life, is to be able to come to the end of my life and to be able to say the words of Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. Do you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Thank you.